You're listening to Heart Sounds, TCTMD's award-winning podcast hosted by Shelley Wood. Hello and welcome to Heart Sounds for April 2020. If you're listening to this podcast, which is a big if this month, my guess is your life is anything but normal. Most of you are doing the unimaginable work of going into your hospitals each day and doing tasks you were never trained to do. Others may still be waiting nervously for the surge to come, or worse, to come back. As a medical journalist, I feel like I've had front row seats to the action, but still can't fully see it or feel it, other than to know that it's turned regular cardiovascular medicine on its head for the time being. If you're a regular visitor to TCTMD.com, you'll know we've really changed gears. Of course we're covering some cardiology news, but the bulk of what we're doing has been longer-form reporting on COVID-19, as it relates not only to cardiologists, but also to the healthcare profession more broadly. Late last month, when I wrote about the publication of the ischemia trial, I knew that while this publication is, of course, important to cardiology practice, very few of you had much interest in hearing about it, given everything else going on. This month, I'm going to give you a taste of some of the in-depth stories the entire team has been working on here, trying to look at all of the big picture questions with an ear to what cardiologists would want to know about. Let's get started. Early on, in this pandemic, it became abundantly clear. The people most likely to get severe complications or die were those aged 65 and older. As well, healthcare workers were one of the highest risk groups for infection, given their exposure to the virus. That left hospitals around the country with a difficult dilemma. How do you protect your most senior and most vulnerable physicians from infection without losing their decades of knowledge and experience? Todd Neal came up with the idea for this feature story and asked hospitals around the country whether they'd put policies in place or were letting physicians make these decisions for themselves. I hope you'll check out Todd's work entitled Age Old Dilemma, Pulling Senior Cardiologists from the Front During COVID-19. For now, here's a bit of Todd's conversation with Andrew Choi of George Washington University School of Medicine and Health Sciences in Washington, D.C. We really asked, how can we best redeploy everybody that we have uh, within cardiology to be able to def- uh, deliver effective care. So our, our older physicians being off service took the lead uh, in implementing new telemedicine, uh, being able to get educated on how to effectively connect with patients, both technically as well as clinically, uh, and have now made the focus of their uh, practices uh, uh, outpatient and telemedicine based. I want to add that our older physicians came off service figuratively kicking and screaming. They did not want to come off service. And uh, I think bound by uh, just an incredible duty to our patients, they wanted to stay on service and we basically forced them off. On the other end of the spectrum are fellows in training. The idea for this story came from Yael Maxwell, section editor of our Fellows Forum, who decided to find out what on earth was going to happen to much younger trainees. This time of year is usually filled with planning solo cases, finalizing contracts, and looking forward to the next stages of their careers. But as the COVID-19 pandemic swept through cardiology training programs around the globe, program directors had to start scrambling to maintain some sense of a normal curriculum through virtual platforms. Fellows, as Yael found out, are stepping in as senior colleagues are asked to step aside. 
This means some fellows will struggle to meet the criteria set by the boards. For example, interventional fellows must complete 250 therapeutic interventional cardiac procedures during their training year in order to be eligible to be certified by the American Board of Internal Medicine in interventional cardiology. Whether the Accreditation Council for Graduate Medical Education will allow for some flexibility this year is unclear. The ACGME declined to comment for Yael's story. Yael spoke to a range of program directors as well as fellows themselves. Find her story. Thanks to COVID-19, cardiology fellows gain unexpected skills but risk losing others. Here's Yael in conversation with third-year general cardiology fellow Nidhi Madan at Rush University Medical Center in Chicago. That just makes you feel part of, you know, you feel so humble and part of this community that people are getting out there, helping, you know, patients, not caring about their own selves, but at the same time taking care of their own community and their own fellow colleagues. I obviously never thought that I would experience a pandemic situation in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. You hear about these epidemics and pandemics and how people dealt with this years ago. But uh, you never know until you see it happening. And I'm sure, you know, there will be some sad situations where we'll lose some of our people and people that we know, our friends, families, or colleagues. But overall, I think this will be a very humbling and very uh, an experience that we should all come out of this very strong. Cardiologists, nurses, and other healthcare staff are pitching in on COVID wards. Elective procedures have been canceled or postponed. Telehealth is being used more and more to help doctors follow up with their cardiovascular disease patients. But one group faces particular challenges getting the help they need while steering clear of hospitals. As TCTMD's Laura McEwen reports, cardiac rehab patients are at high risk for falling through the cracks during the pandemic. And the scope of the problem is large. There are 2,685 cardiac rehab programs and 1,758 pulmonary rehab programs across the United States that typically provide services to hundreds of thousands of patients. Most have shuttered their doors. That means that some of the highest risk patients are not getting the advice they need. Early on, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services agreed to cover nearly 200 additional types of telehealth services during the COVID-19 pandemic but cardiac rehab services were not among them. A request for emergency temporary coverage of home-based cardiac rehab is now before the CMS. In the meantime, many physicians and rehab associates are moving ahead without this, reaching out to their patients unpaid. Laura's feature story we titled Cardiac Rehab During COVID-19, Telehealth, Unpaid Heroes Step Up to Help at Home. One of those heroes is Randall Thomas of the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, who spoke with Laura for her story. Unfortunately, from what I can gather from colleagues around the the country, many programs have simply closed their programs. There's no reimbursement for rehabilitation at home. There's no mechanisms for the the processes that we have to be covered in any way uh, for most most, uh, programs. So many programs have just closed. Uh, We and other programs have elected to stay open. We are using the home-based um, program we have developed over the past several years. It's a fairly simple one, um, kind of a low-tech option that we use with phone calls and electronic medical record messaging to connect with patients and make sure they're receiving all the therapy they need. 
Of course, training programs, regular cardiology care, and rehab programs aren't the only things on hold. With most elective cardiovascular procedures at a standstill during the COVID-19 pandemic, academic and industry-sponsored clinical research has also ground to a halt. Even if a trial hasn't officially paused, it falls way, way down on the list of priorities for overburdened healthcare systems amid the mounting crisis. Michael O'Reardon explored the landscape of cardiovascular clinical trials for a feature called Salvage What We Can, Cardiology Clinical Trials in Turmoil Amid COVID-19. Many of the investigators he spoke with for his story described having to scramble to either close out studies or find a way to continue to follow enrolled patients remotely around the globe. Mike's story is something of a primer for many of the big RCTs going on in the cardio space and how the people leading those studies are hoping to handle this gap, however long it lasts. Here's Stephen Nissen of the Cleveland Clinic giving his take on the status of clinical research during the pandemic. Let me just tell you that the entire clinical trials enterprise is in turmoil. This has had a devastating effect on the ability to do this. First of all, we cannot ethically have patients come to offices or hospitals for uh, study visits. Mm-hmm. Now, for ongoing trials, in many cases, we can connect with the patients via uh, you know, telephone, Uh, and other means, although it's certainly not as ideal as seeing patients. But we can't bring them in for routine laboratory work. Mm -hmm. Uh, We can't enroll new patients in most of our trials. Of course, we're spending plenty of time on TCTMD trying to ask the same questions you are. Where, for example, are the missing STEMI patients? I did a story in early April on this subject when a lot of chatter was first circulating. Last weekend, I saw the New York Times did its own story on this topic, and you know what they say about imitation being the highest form of flattery. Several other stories on TCTMD have focused on the dire lack of PPE and the different approaches taken by hospitals that have and don't have the right gear. And, like you, we've been wondering about disease mechanisms. What are the key predisposing factors for disease severity? What are the mechanisms of injury? How does it all tie together? To this end, we've done in-depth stories looking at the involvement of the renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system, and we've written about drug candidates, many of which unfortunately look to be increasing the risk of arrhythmias. Last week, I wrote a story looking at the accumulating evidence, shaky though it may be, linking obesity to more severe complications and death with this virus. As I found out for that story, more and more people think that obesity likely does confer a greater risk. But at this point, it's impossible to sort that out from other factors, including the other larger problems of health disparities around the world and around the U.S. Hopefully you'll check out my feature story, Obesity and COVID-19, Theories and Blame Fill the Scientific Void. Linked with the obesity hypothesis is inflammation and the burning question of just why some people's immune systems get tipped so radically off balance by this disease. Caitlin Cox looked into this. That is, what is going on with the body's immune system and what are the drug candidates being explored to cope with that outsized response? Some of these drugs are not common names for cardiologists, having been used primarily for diseases like malaria and HIV. But other agents are more familiar to cardiologists, having been tested in recent years against inflammation in coronary artery disease. For example, colchicine. A U.S.-Canadian trial is getting underway that will hopefully provide some swift answers. 
Caitlin spoke with Peter Liu of the University of Ottawa, Canada, who helped walk her through the very different patient presentations and what that might mean at the level of the immune system. Here's part of Caitlin's conversation with Liu. This is the challenge with this condition is that you have such a diverse outcome, right? You know, you have people who are practically asymptomatic and two patients, you know, who are actually dying in front of your eyes, you know, just within hours. And uh, a lot of this has to do with the balance between the virus, the uh, immune response, uh, in a way. You have patients who uh, can come in with a minimum uh, troponin release and that uh, they generally can manage their oxygenation reasonably well, and then they actually recover and the troponin actually will, you know, settle. In contrast, you have a in which, you know, who has uh, much higher levels of these markers, and then you see uh, CRP start, you know, rising uh, very dramatically, troponin is also rising, and then you see IL-6 coming in. And you know that there is a pending storm, essentially. And so this is a situation you really actually need to get all your tools out and, uh, you know, whether that's uh, IL-6 uh, inhibitors, uh, anti-serum or whatever the uh, uh, tools uh, may be available, you know, to help that patient. That's it for the April 2020 edition of Heart Sounds. I really hope you'll check out all of our stories in full, along with a lot of other print, video, and audio content. We're collecting all of our pandemic-related content on our COVID-19 hub. You can find that at tctmd.com COVID-19. Special shout-out to Todd Neal, who has been curating our daily COVID-19 dispatch. If you haven't already bookmarked this link, you're missing out. Todd is taking a few hours every day to comb the web and collect all of the important research and policy news from around the world, creating a one-stop shop to bring you up to speed. Investigators and clinicians from all over the world have also been joining us for live webcasts archived on our COVID hub to share their knowledge, experiences, and clinical advice. I myself recorded a virtual episode of my regular program on record from the comfort of my home office. In that, I got a chance to ask Jordan Safferstein, Isaac George, Azim Latib, and Gennaro Giustino about their experiences having contracted COVID-19 and recovered. Don't worry, I'm still keeping a close eye on cardiovascular news that does not have to do with this pandemic, and like all of you, I'm looking forward to getting back to that full-time. For now, my sense is that this is what you want from me and my team, and if I'm wrong, well, <laughs> you'll have to let me know. You know how to reach me. You can do that via my bio on tctmd.com. On Twitter, I'm Shelley Wood, too. Thanks, all of you, for everything you're doing to keep the rest of us safe. And thanks for listening to Heart Sounds. Love listening to Heart Sounds? Check out all new original series from TCTMD featuring Rock's Heart Radio with Dr. Roxanne Moran and Talking Points with Dr. C. Michael Gibson. These episodes are available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud.